If you will, go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, we're going to be picking up in about verse 15. Um, Before we get there, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I want to thank you for your presence. So many times in my life, I have not known what I'm doing. And it's been because of your indwelling presence that you have guided me, you have protected me, and you have helped me. This morning, Lord, I'm praying for that same thing as we dig into this scripture. As we start talking about the Holy Spirit and and what you said about him. And next week as we even talk about what he does in us. Father, it's my prayer that we would wake up to the power that is within us. You have told us that greater is the one who is in us than the one who is in this world. And while we hurt you, there's times I don't think we believe it. So this morning, Lord, as we dig into the scripture of what you've told us about the Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would open our eyes, that you would open our hearts, that you would open our ears, and let us receive what it is that you have for us in your word and through your word. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Growing up in North Georgia led me to be able to encounter some, um, some pretty great experiences. And I know, regardless of where you grew up, you were able to encounter some pretty great experiences too. If you grew up in a city, uh, your experiences probably entailed a mall or a park. If you grew up on the coast, your experiences um, were around the beach and the ocean. But with the North Georgia mountains... Um, we were pretty limited on what experiences we could have. Uh, We had to be a little bit more inventive. When we became 16, we became explorers. There wasn't a back road in Union County that we didn't know about. We knew where they went, we knew how far they went, we knew if we could go through them and if we couldn't go through them. We found all the state or all the U.S. forestry roads, and we even found a couple of pig trails off of those. We started off with vehicles that we really shouldn't have been driving in some of these places. Yesterday, part of that come back to me after I went to the camp. I told Jennifer, I said, "Let's let's go through Cooper's Creek." It had just come a downpour, so there we go through Cooper's Creek in my black Subaru Legacy. It's brown now. But when we got older, a little bit older, not much older, we got more advanced vehicles. Now, when I say more advanced vehicles, I want you to hear me out, okay? I'm not talking about luxury vehicles. I'm not talking about performance vehicles. When I say more advanced vehicles, we were going for things like a 78 Love Chevrolet pickup truck. That was more advanced for us. Or the little Toyota 4Runners. Because we found out that these little cars, these are these little trucks and these little SUVs made great exploring vehicles. We would do hill climbs. If any of you live in the 1300 subdivision, um, you are in our playground. Well, that's where we grew up doing hill climbs. The Trent, I think you, even you did a couple of things back there on your uh, motorcycles as well. But we went hill climbing. One day... 
One of my, we were over at a friend's house, and this is when I was a little bit older. But a friend come over to where we were at with a complete game changer. He came with a Jeep. And we got brave. We set out about 6 o'clock that evening. And about midnight, we're riding through Skeena Gap. I know we had no responsibility. We had no reason to be out at midnight. But we were out on Skeena Gap going down one of the forestry roads. And my buddy sees a, a pig trail off to the side. It wasn't a road. It was a pig trail. Something had went up through there. I think it was a herd of pigs, but it was not a vehicle. So he looks at me and he says, let's try it. I'm in, the dry, I'm in the passenger seat, so you know what I have to do? I have to just hold on. We got two guys back in the back with us, so we start. We start going up this hill, and it just gets steeper and steeper and steeper to a point that I'm really starting to get scared. We hit two bumps that really made me think we were going to switch over, and my friend who was driving did something that I could not believe he did. Now, we're on a hill just like this. He stops. He throws it in gear, dumps the clutch, looks at me and says, I don't want to go no more. We're on the side of a mountain and you don't want to go no more? You took me up to this point and you're telling me you don't want to go no more. So now it was up to drawing straws. Who was going to be the brave man? Who was going to be the brave person to get behind the hill and um, get us off? It was not me. It was not me at all. Matter of fact, I got out of the passenger seat and I got in the back seat. Uh, one of our friends got in the uh, driver's seat and he was confident. He could do it. He reaches down, puts the Jeep in gear, not realizing he put it in reverse. And off we go. Down the hill. And you know what? God did an amazing thing. He put a tree right where it needed to be because it stopped us. It stopped us right where we needed to be stopped. But when I was a kid, we used to find ourselves getting, our, getting ourselves in all kinds of situations like this. Situations to where we constantly needed help. That night, we ended up walking 13 miles from Skinna Gap to the other side of Jones Creek. And it's amazing. You know what? When I was growing up, there wasn't as much traffic on the road as there is now. In that whole six-hour period, we didn't see one car. But we had to go get help. When got his uncle's tractor, got it up there, got off the hill, and we got out. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations when we need help. We find ourselves in places that we shouldn't be. We find ourselves in situations that we can't handle. We find ourselves in a decision that we can't comprehend. And we need help. In John 13, 14, 15, and 16, Jesus is spending some time with the disciples. And the reason he is spending time with the disciples is because Jesus is about to go on. Jesus is about to go home to be with the Lord. And there's a couple of things that Jesus wants to be sure that the disciples need. And as I was reading through this in our D-Life, our small groups, one little, piece of, one, little, one little portion of a scripture 
stuck out to me more, more than any other one. And when we get to it, I'll tell you. But in verse 15 of John 14, here's what Jesus says. If you love me, you will keep my command. He goes on to say in verse 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. That he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. When Jesus said those little words, he will send another helper. He was saying this to disciples to bring them great comfort. Jesus is about to leave. Jesus is about to go home to be with the Father, and he's going to be leaving these disciples all to themselves. They're going to have to pick up the reins of the ministry. They're going to have to pick up where Jesus left off. And Jesus has given them a commandment, a commandment that's going to be bigger than anything they think they can handle, to go make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that he commanded them to observe, and they needed to remember that he would be with them to the end of age. Whenever we're in a time where we need help, we find ourselves with the same feeling. Everybody feels this way. Whenever you get stressed, whenever the demand is on, whenever the frustration's coming, all of us have one feeling that creeps up on us. It's the feeling of being alone. None of us like to be alone. Really, we don't. We may say we're introverts. We may say we like to isolate. But whenever we think about that, we're thinking about isolating with somebody. Me and my wife joke all the time about moving to such as, but we're not isolating because we're taking each other. Because honestly, none of us want to be alone. Nobody wants to be left alone. When you're alone, you're vulnerable. When you're alone, you're susceptible to influence. When you are alone, that's when Satan can have his way with you the most. Notice again what Jesus said there. Uh, he will give you another helper. The helper that he is talking about here is the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is one of the persons of the Trinity. You've got God the Father. You've got God the Son, who is Jesus. But then you've got God the Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit. And I'll be honest with you. I think the Holy Spirit is the most misunderstood of all the Trinity. The first thing that we've got to come to grips with is who this Holy Spirit really is. And the best definition that I can come up with on who the Holy Spirit is, because the Scripture, it tells us a lot about Him, but it doesn't give Him a good definition of who He is. But this is the best way I could put it in my own words. The Holy Spirit is the spiritual presence of God in a believer's life life. It is the spiritual presence of God in a believer's life. Look at what he goes on to say right there in verse 18. He says, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come 
to you. Now, we've got to understand what's taking place here because whenever we think about Jesus coming, what do we naturally gravitate towards? Huh? The rapture, the end times, Jesus coming back to collect his church, Jesus coming back to gather his church together and take them home from this sinful, awful world. That's what we think about when we think about Jesus coming back. But I want you to notice real quick, what does he say right here? Does he say, I will come for you? No. He says, I will come to you. Jesus is about to leave the disciples in a very, very bad situation. Some of you have seen the passion of the Christ. I think I've maybe seen it twice all the way through. I've picked up segments, you know. And it, honestly, it's a movie that even when I start watching, I can't watch it very much. I see what Jesus was put through. I see the fear on the disciples' faces. I see Peter rejecting Christ because a big crowd is gathering around him after he's sitting by a fire to warm himself. And it puts me right there, in a way, it puts me right there with where they were at this time. That was a scary time, guys. The man that they had been following for three years had just been captured. He was being beaten. He was having a whip with fragments of bone, fragments of glass, fragments of anything sharp in it. A whip with all these things. Drug across his back, having flesh ripped from his body. He then had a big crossbeam put over his shoulder and was being, being marched up this hill. He wasn't carried, he was marched up this hill. When he got up to the hill, they laid him on the cross, they stripped the clothes off of him. Can you th just think about that? He just had his back turned to hamburger. That blood had dried into that cloth when they ripped it off. Don't you know that hurt? They laid him on his back, that same raw back that they beat. They nailed him to a cross. I want to be honest with you. I want you to be honest with me. If you saw this happening to your leader, to the person that you were following, what would you be doing? I ain't gonna lie. I'd be hiding. I'd be hiding. Why? Because I know if they did that to him, they'll very well may do that to me. And these are the things that are going through the disciples' minds when all this is happening. But Jesus is telling them ahead of this, yes, I will go away. But you need to understand, I will come to you. Not for you. He eventually will come for us. But in this scripture right here, matter of fact, 14, 15, and 16 of John, it's not really talking about Jesus' return. It's talking about the work of this one that he will send to us. The Holy Spirit that will come to us. This comforter, this spirit of truth, 
And he is not leaving us as orphans. But he is coming back to us. The Holy Spirit is a sign of our adoption. Our adoption in Christ. You know, adoption's an amazing thing. I'm so thankful for adoption. Because of adoption, I have two boys. Did these boys start off with me? No, they didn't. But this adoption that has taken place with them and them growing up with us, I am their daddy. They are my sons. It's crazy. You know, when they want to snuggle, you know who they run to? They don't run to daddy. They run to mama. But you let one of them get hurt. You let one of them get on a treadmill, Grammy. (laughs) You let one of them get hurt just a little bit. Who do you think they call for them? Daddy. You let one of them watch Scooby-Doo one night. And the ghosts seem a little bit scarier than what they really are. Who are they calling for? Daddy. That spirit of adoption that we have, Galatians even tells us it allows us to cry out to him, Abba, Father. Abba is Daddy. Daddy, Father. When we're scared, when we're hurt, we cry out to him. But the thing that I don't think we realize the most is our cry doesn't have to go as far as we think it does. We don't have to shout it. We don't even have to whisper it. Because sometimes he is so close to us. He is so close to us. He hears our thoughts. He hears our heart. And this spirit This Holy Spirit, it even intercedes for us when we don't even know what to say. Honestly, tell me, do you realize who resides with you right now? Because of you being a believer in Christ, do you realize who truly resides with you as we speak? When he says, I'll send another helper, He's saying, I will send one exactly like me. Christ may have left, but when a believer professes his faith in Jesus Christ, he returns. He returns and resides in them. We're going to talk about this residing in him a little bit more next week. But I really think we need to understand who we are talking about when we talk about the Holy Spirit. We are talking about something. We hear a lot about the deity of Christ. How many ever heard the term deity of Christ? You know one term we don't hear a lot about? We don't hear the deity of the Holy Spirit. And it is a term that can be used. Because when you look at the word deity, what you are looking at is you are looking at a divine status or a quality or a nature. And what we don't understand is this Holy Spirit is a divine quality. It is a divine nature. It is a divine status. And it is just as much a part of the Godhead as the Father 
and as the Son. So when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, you can say this and rightfully say this. The Holy Spirit is the same as God himself. You don't believe me? What's the unpardonable sin? Is it the blasphemy of God? Nope. Is it the blasphemy of the Son? No. What is it? Rejecting the Holy Spirit. When Ananias is fire, make a commitment to the Holy Spirit. Peter rebukes them both and says, you have not lied to man. You have lied to God himself. The Holy Spirit that resides in us is God himself. Do you understand why the disciples could have a little bit more comfort, a little bit more peace? He didn't send the, a, the B team. He didn't send in the secondary advance. He sent his self to dwell inside of you. And because of the power that is inside you, it's the same power that rose Christ from the dead, and it is the same power that rose you from the dead. That is the power of God that resides in you. So let me ask you a question. What are we so afraid of? What are we so afraid of? I think one of the things we're afraid of is what comes a little bit later. And I want to read through this. I want to read through this. And I want you to put this in perspective of this talking about the Holy Spirit. Starting in verse 17. That is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him nor know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me. But you will see me because I live. And you will also, you will live also. In that day, now this is not talking about the day of the Lord, guys. In that day, you will know that I am the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Talking about the Spirit and dwelling the people. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be beloved by my, beloved by my Father. And I will love him, and I will disclose myself to him. Now listen to what Judas asked him. Then this is not Judas Iscariot. He said, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us, but not the world? And Jesus responds in this way. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our abode or abide in him. The word abode there means home. Why don't you think about that? God is coming to make his home in us. It's funny, we've got homes with security systems. We've got homes with gun safes. We've got homes with all these things to help make us safe. God comes to make his home in us. Why are we scared? Why are we scared? 
Why are we so fearful of all the things that are going on in this world? Let's keep on looking. Verse 24. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all the things and bring bring to your remembrance what I have said to you. Peace I leave leave with you. Why does he leave peace with them? Man, God's coming back to live in them. Why shouldn't they have peace? My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. I do not give you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. You heard that I said to you, I will go away and I will come to you again. Again, not for you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced because I go to the Father For the Father is greater than I. Now I have told you before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. I will not speak much more with you. For the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. Let's stop there for a second. Because when we talk about the Holy Spirit... When we talk about the Holy Spirit, I've heard the Holy Spirit dumbed down a lot. Because we'll compare him to something that is in us. And that is in everybody else, even if they don't have the Holy Spirit. A lot of times we'll compare the Holy Spirit to our conscience. How many of y'all ever heard that before? Well, the Holy Spirit's kind of like your conscience. No, the Holy Spirit is nothing like your conscience, and I'm going to tell you why. Your conscience can be polluted. Your conscience can be polluted by influence and life experiences. Let me show you. How many of y'all have ever had somebody do you wrong? Maybe you had somebody steal something from you. Maybe you had somebody back out on a deal. Maybe you had somebody um, just completely trash talk your name. How many of you have ever had that happen? What was your response? Anger, anger. Now, naturally, honestly, I'm hoping that most of you would say, well, I forgive them. That don't happen. But let's just say it does happen. Let's just say something inside of you wells up and you forgive these people. You forgive them for everything they've done. That doesn't mean you forget about it. I don't know why people think that just because you forgive somebody that you get this sanctified amnesia that causes you to forget about everything that they've done. That don't happen. But you forgive. Now say that same person. Say that same person hurts you again. In a very similar way. What wells up in you then? Hurt. Anger. Bitterness. Retaliation. Separation. You know what these things come from? These things come from your conscience. And good brothers and sisters... Your conscience will lie to you. Your conscience will go off feelings. 
Your conscience will go off experience. Your conscience will go off how things have happened in your life. And your conscience will often lie to you. How many of you have ever trusted your conscience before? How many of you have ever been let down by your conscience before? Your conscience is a liar. Your conscience can be polluted. But the Spirit of God is the Spirit of truth. It can't be polluted. But a lot of times, we mistake our conscience for His Spirit. Scotty, how do I know the difference? Well, I'll tell you. Just with the situation of somebody hurting you, your conscience cries out retaliation. Your conscience conscience cries out separation. What does the Holy Spirit cry out? Forgiveness. Restoration. Our conscience lies. That's why I'm cautious when people say, I feel or I think. Guys, I'm going to tell you right now, I've got lots of feelings. I have lots of feelings towards lots of individuals in my life. And 90% of my feelings do not line up with what's in here. When somebody hurts me, I separate from them. Is that what this says? No, it does not. Disciples even asked Jesus, how many times are we to forgive somebody? Seven times? What was Jesus' response? The voice of the Holy Spirit will normally go against what you feel in here. It is the spirit of truth. And you know what happens when truth is introduced into our life? Conflict. Conflict. Conflict happens because you've got two opposing forces going at each other, trying to do everything to beat each other. And you know what's sad? Here's what's sad. Most of the time we'll base things on our feelings and we won't base it off of this. The Spirit of God will never contradict this. Had a lady one time going through a very hard time in her marriage. She comes to me and tells me, God told me I need to divorce her. I need to divorce my husband. I told her she is a liar. She don't talk to me anymore. You want to know why? Don't line up here. The Spirit of God will never go against this. The Spirit of God will breathe truth. Matter of fact, this word is God-breathed, Spirit-led. It'll never go against it. So be cautious on your feelings. Be very cautious on your feelings because the Holy Spirit is nothing like your conscience. The Spirit cries forgiveness, restoration. The conscience screams retaliation, separation. The Holy Spirit is the only God we need in our life. The Holy Spirit can't be polluted by what we've been through. 
The Holy Spirit can't be polluted by the influences around us. The Holy Spirit will always lead us in a way that glorifies God. You want to know what's encouraging about this? Jesus sent us something better than a conscience. Think about that. He sent us something better than a conscience. He sent us a helper. And why did he send us a helper? He sent us a helper because he knew we needed it. He knew that if he left us alone, you ever leave your kids alone at home? What happens? You come back and it's a tornado hit your house. Jesus knew if he left us alone, the world would be even in a greater mess. So what did he do? He sent us the help we needed. Here's the thing, though. Most of us don't think we need help. Most of us don't think we need help until we've got ourselves in a situation on the side of a mountain in a place that we should have never been doing something that we shouldn't have done. We don't think we need help until often it's too late. Brothers and sisters, we need help. To live like Christ, we need help. To love like Christ, we need help. To forgive like Christ, we need help. To minister like Christ, we need help. To serve like Christ, we need help. To understand like Christ, we need help. To sacrifice like Christ, we need help. To have peace like Christ had, we need help. And the good news is, the help is here. The help is not delayed, it's not in the mail, it's not on a detour, it's not stuck in traffic. The help is here. We don't have to wait, we don't have to hesitate, the help is here. The only thing that we have to do is cry out, Abba, Father, the help is here. He is the one who brings conflict to our conscience, but he is also the one who brings power to our weakness. He's the one who brings life to our dry bones. He is the one who wakes us in the morning, and he is the one who walks with us throughout the whole day, and he's the one who helps us to lay our head down at night in peace. He is the one who goes before us. He's the one who walks beside us. He is the one who pushes us from behind, and he's also the one who lives inside of us, guiding us all the way. This is not just some fictitious tale of a ghost, guys. This is the power of God that lives inside of us, and the Holy Spirit wasn't simply an afterthought. The Holy Spirit wasn't something that was brought up after Christ left. Because the Holy Spirit was present when God spoke the earth and creation. He was present at all the times when that cloud come down and met with Moses in the tent meetings. He was present with all the prophets. And brothers and sisters, he is present with us now. The presence of God in the life of people who have fully trusted in Jesus, who fully love Jesus, that is the Holy Spirit. And it's in you. And it's in me. And it is equipping us. It is empowering us. And it's helping us to do things that we never thought we could do. Our problem 
We listen to our conscience. And not the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God will ask you to do amazing things. Your conscience will always tell you to go with the status quo. The Holy Spirit might tell you to do same, some things that may seem dangerous. The Holy Spirit will tell you to fear not, for I am with you. Your conscience will tell you to settle, but the Holy Spirit will always lead you to something greater. Psalms 51, verses 10 through 12 says this. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation, and sustain me with a willing spirit. Thousand years. Before Christ even talks about the Holy Spirit, David's writing about the power of it. 2,000 years after Christ has left and sent his spirit to dwell among us, we still hinder it. Do you realize help is here? Do you realize for those who believe in him, he resides in you. Do you realize that Jesus himself said, because of this helper, we would do far greater things on this earth than Christ did on this earth? Well, I don't know about that, Scotty. Well, I do because I take Jesus at his word. Jesus has never lied to me, and he never will. Jesus' words aren't the problem. Us realizing the power that resides in us. That's where the problem comes in. Tommy. Father, you are great. You are powerful. You are almighty God. And the fact that you chose to reside in someone like me I'm going to be honest, God, that's very humbling because I am not worthy. I'm not worthy of that. But at the same time, I know many of my brothers and sisters here today feel the same way. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. But Father, that's the beauty of the gospel. It wasn't about us being worthy. It wasn't about us doing the right things. It was about the amazing love that you had for us. That you would send your son to die for us. That you would equip us to do things that we never thought we could do. And that you would entrust us with a mission, Lord, that most of us don't feel adequate for Father help us to realize our need for your Holy Spirit in our lives help us to realize the power that is in us and help us Lord 
to tap into this power on a daily basis. Father, we love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning, as we stand, I want to hit you with two things. First, there's a good chance that there's somebody in this congregation this morning who realizes for the first time that that power that rose Jesus from the dead, that power that comes straight from God himself, that it doesn't reside in you. There's a chance that some of you this morning know that you're lost, you're broken, and you're completely undone. You have put yourself in a situation that you can't get out of. You're on the side of the mountain and you need somebody to get you off. Well, brothers and sisters, I want to tell you something. Jesus already come to get you off that mountain. Well, what do I need to do, Scotty? Admit you're wrong. Admit you're wrong and trust in what Jesus did on the cross to pay for your sin. Well, there's got to be something more to it than that. No, there's not. The scripture says repent and believe. And this morning, if you're lost, undone, if you're on the side of that mountain, you need somebody to come get you off, repent and believe in what Jesus already did for you. For the rest of us, challenge time. Is the Holy Spirit alive and at work in you? Or are you hindering it? We're told many times throughout the Word of God to not grieve the Spirit that is within us. How do we grieve it? Our thoughts, our opinions, our views, they grieve the Holy Spirit from working in us. So what's the response to that? There's only one. Repent. Harsh word. Harsh word. But it's no harsher than what you're doing to the spirit that lives in you. Sure, you're not saying that it doesn't exist. But you are hindering its power. Repent. As they sing, as we worship, realize help is here. Whether you want to respond at the altar, in your seat, that's up to you. You do as the Holy Spirit leads you right now. Tommy.